Hello, and welcome to Calamity, a podcast about natural and not-so-natural disasters. We examine a catastrophic event from world history. We are your hosts, the Coolman Sisters. I'm Jama. I'm Jillian. And I'm Caitlin. And we've got Calamity happening in the real world. We've got Calamity everywhere. And we're going to talk about a different Calamity. The world has gone crazy. Good idea. Can we agree <laughs> on that? Certainly. 100%. But here's the thing. I'm I'm really excited to tell you this story because it's a phenomenal story. It should be a movie. I think it is a movie, but no one's ever seen it. Um, it's not like a popular movie. And <laughs> it's a true story. And it's just, well, all these are true stories. But <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> It's hard to believe that this happened because it's so crazy. So what we're doing today, I should say, well, okay, wait, first of all, here's how I came up with this idea. Now I always have like eight or 10 different disasters, like kind of circulating, percolating in my brain, Mm -hmm. trying to decide what to do the next week and the next week and the next week. Uh, This one was not percolating anywhere. I just, learned about it for the first time in the past two weeks and i was just listening to npr uh and this was i think i mean it was after the the coronavirus came to be but before it like hit here really badly Mm -hmm. so it was still kind of like a just like a side story on the news Mm -hmm. um so this actually is a story about a, a an epidemic but has nothing to do with the coronavirus nor did the coronavirus in any way inspire me to do this particular one. <laughs> here's, what, here's what did inspire it is I was listening to NPR one morning and they were talking about, uh, this must have been maybe two weeks ago, they were talking about the Iditarod. Oh, yeah. You guys know the that dog sled race in Alaska? Yep. And, so, uh, do you have a yeah. question, Caitlin? Caitlin I said sort know. of. I've heard the word and then I didn't realize it had to do with a dog sled race. Like, I don't know. I think that in my mind, those two things were separate, but, um, Caitlin, remember that movie from our childhood called Iron Will? Yeah. Yes. I a hundred percent remember that, Iron Will. That was the, I did a rod. That was the, okay. But that's not a true story. I don't This is a really know. weird name for dog race. Can I just say it? It sounds very scientific for it being a dog race, but okay. <laughs> I think it's a native. I think it's a native word. Oh, okay. It, yeah, I think I'm, so too. I'm, I'm looking don't. for it here. Uh... Now, I have to ask Jillian, does this have anything to do with the fact that there's that more recent just released movie with the... Mm, gosh what is his name where he's the dad of the young son in the christmas movie and then what i hope i even have the right actor i was gonna correct jillian and tell her that actually just in december um of 2019 uh disney um released a movie on disney plus yeah. about this and it, is that called the Great Alaskan Race? It's called Togo. Like it's called Togo. Togo. Oh, okay, no, 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 no. That is very loosely and badly 
that does oh. that's not the right story. No. Okay. okay. Togo is a dog in this story, but that's, that's the Disney the Disney that's... version is not real. You're telling me no, that it's I not know. accurate? It's not the same. <laughs> What? Well, I still don't know what Caitlin's talking about with the Christmas All right. movie. All right. There was nothing to, to think of the person who's in the movie that she's trying to. I think that I was able to connect the dots. I was wrong. I have two things going on in my mind. I apologize. So one is my husband saw this movie called um, the Into the Gray, which is about the Revenant. Oh, I've seen that. It's good. It doesn't have to do like at one point there's a man fighting a, a wolf or something like that. I don't think he fights a wolf. Oh, I well, know who you mean. You mean oh, the guy his yeah. his actress wife died and the Taken guy. The Taken guy. There you go. Yes. And then I want to yeah, say he's... um switching gears over to Harrison Ford, <laughs> who's who I meant to say. No one is going to be able you to You guys follow. are listeners if we have any left. I'm so they sorry. are yelling out names of movies and shows right now we are we are not we are not remembering any single thing that we're talking about i feel as though this is normal and sisters but maybe abnormal for society however um so harrison i apologize for getting the two confused that was a massive mistake on my my part but harrison ford is he the main character of togo because i've seen several previews where he's in this really wait isn't togo animated it or is that a real? It says it's a drama, live action. Look, I'll click on the link. I wasn't. No, gonna no, no. <laughs> Let me, my... Harry, girls, girls. Why don't I tell you the story about the serum run to gnome? Well, I did I want mean, to say that I did a rod. Caitlin asked. I did a rod. Okay. It is um, uh, the word comes from um one of the um native languages. Uh, it's the name of a river on which a, oh. a town was built. Oh yeah, it oh, is. It means distant mm-hmm. place. Okay. That's about perfect. So that's okay. That's what Sorry the for the says. tangent. I'm ready for the story now. Eventually you're gonna have to think of that actor's name, but go ahead. It's not <laughs> Liam Neeson. Neeson. Is it Liam Neeson? Mm, yes, yes, it, it is. is. Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> wins. Now, now our listeners can quit screaming at us and we can move on to other things. <laughs> oh boy. We're off to a great start. People. Yeah. It's like somehow being stuck at home and not being able to work. Yeah. My brain has just gone to mush. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking little... of mush, we're going to talk about mushing. Okay. Yay. I'm ready. That's a dog sledding word. So here's what I heard. I'm not done with my anecdote about listening to, about the Iditarod on oh. NPR. <laughs> uh, yeah. Woke up, was listening to NPR at like six in the morning and they were talking about how the Iditarod is not actually a race to commemorate the serum run to Nome, even though many people think it is. And in popular culture, it's kind of known to be. But that's kind of been debunked. And I was like, well, I've never heard of either of those. Well, no, I've heard of the Iditarod. But then I had to look it up because the serum run Nome sounded good. Here's the story. Let's go to 1925. Okay. okay. I like that decade a lot. Okay. There's not a lot of flapper girls in this story, Caitlin. Dang it. Okay. You mean not a lot of jazz? Lot in of fact, the, there's no jazz. There wasn't, there, there wasn't a lot of speakeasy up there in Alaska? There's going to be some roadhouses, but okay. no speakeasies to my <laughs> knowledge. Okay. All right. 
so there you guys there's a town in alaska called gnome and it that's n-o-m-e and i don't know how many people live there now but at this particular time it had about ten thousand people which is actually really big for the middle of nowhere alaska Mm -hmm. and it's up um you know how alaska has that little tail it's way above that it's like halfway up alaska on the coast on the western coast it's on like it's an inch from the arctic circle on the map (laughs) (laughs) on the map i'm looking at it's an inch from the arctic circle got it it's way up got that everyone it's an inch no so my notes say it's two degrees south of the Arctic Circle. Yeah, that's what I said, an inch. Which is, I don't think that's any more helpful than an inch. <laughs> Same. <laughs> to be <Yeah>. perfectly honest, <laughs> two degrees. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where it's at. So, it, and it was not, um, I don't know if it's connected by roads now. I think it might be. But at the time, you primarily, it has, it's on the coast. So it had... Um, it had a port and but the port was only open like four months out of the year the other eight months it was too iced over you couldn't get a boat in there so you could fly some supplies in but 1925 is early days for flights and Mm -hmm. i read one story and it might have been on the wikipedia page somebody was flying some some supplies in and they crashed the plane like six times on the way they crashed I mean, and flew again and yes crashed. and oh. flew again and then kept crashing huh. huh because because the weather was bad the planes weren't very well built yet and they're way up there in the cold and the wind and i think if you can fly again you haven't exactly crashed maybe you just landed <laughs> hard and then you took off again <laughs> but like they didn't mean crash, to land you can't fly again anyway I, it's important uh, for the Jillian- story i was gonna say are these are these the sea um the sea going aircraft it doesn't uh, I don't even know if they had those. it doesn't matter aircraft <laughs> okay. did not feature okay. in this story at any point i only bring it up because <laughs> uh that seems like a good solution to the problem that i'm going to talk about but at oh. the time planes were not reliable and the weather was bad anyway and so okay. that which is why we end up having a dog sled relay instead of flight okay 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 so in the town of Nome, at this time there was only one doctor i have a hard time believing that but i checked two different sources there's only one doctor for ten thousand people only one hospital and so it was just him and a bunch of nurses that worked at this hospital and a kid came in and looked like he had tonsillitis but then he died the next day like which you don't usually die from tonsillitis like that um Mm -hmm. and so it turns out uh after a few more kids came in with similar symptoms that it was a diphtheria epidemic that was hitting and diphtheria is uh super nasty it mostly kills children but it has like a hundred percent kill rate. Hmm. Like if you get it and you don't have treatment, that is. But there is a treatment. There's a serum, an antitoxin, they call it. 
that comes from i don't know we don't we don't call look... things that anymore we like <laughs> is this the same as 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 some kind of i didn't look up the science and i should have but it comes from a horse something or other it comes from horses. oh that's the, the serum um, I have reservations about that, but okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it works. It, whatever it is, it works. We probably and got the same inoculation when we were children. I think definitely. Uh, that diphtheria is one of the things where Yes. Yeah, it's it's packaged in one of the yeah. the childhood vaccines that everybody yeah. gets. Vaccines. Yeah. Everyone whose parents don't hate them. Um so he's got a diphtheria epidemic on his hands. Now they already knew at this time that diphtheria was a problem. So normally you would have a stash of diphtheria antitoxin on hand. But earlier that year, he had been going through the stores in the hospital and had noticed that the diphtheria vaccine, not vaccine, diphtheria antitoxin that they had on hand was expired. And so he had, oh. he had, put in an order for more uh, somewhere from the mainland or from Anchorage, maybe. But um, the last boat up to Nome before the bay froze over was, it, it, it didn't get there in time. It, it wasn't able to come into port, etc. So they didn't get their diphtheria medicine. And I suppose he threw out the expired stuff, even though... No, no, he didn't. Expired stuff isn't always, like, immediately going to kill you. Did he try? Did he try using the expired stuff on the children? He did. And that didn't work. People kept dying. Okay. So it was expired. Dang it. Okay. It really was legit expired. It wasn't, like, milk that was a couple days old that Pat won't drink. <laughs> Our listeners don't know who Pat is. <laughs> well, he throws stuff out uh, if the date is like one day off. Whereas at Coleman sisters, we're fine just eating all sorts of expired. Uh, we, we grew up drinking what? milk, you know, straight from the cow. So, you know. Well, that's not expired. You know, that's as fresh it's as not, meat. but it's also not treated. And, you know, so Pat probably just doesn't have the, you know, antibodies he needs to. Right. He needs the antitoxins. Day old like milk. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He's antitoxins. Yep. I'm not sure I'll ever get around to telling you the story of, of this serum. To know. <laughs> you said this would be a short one. <laughs> it's going to be a short one. If, you, if I could tell the story. Um, okay. So the doctor and I totally have his name welch his name was dr welch because i remember it was like the jam so doesn't welch's make jam mm-hmm. yes that yeah. juice okay so dr welch uh he talked to the mayor as soon as he realized that a couple different kids had this and that meant it was going to keep spreading he talked to the mayor of Nome. the mayor got on the i don't know telephone or like telegraph telegraph Maybe? whatever they had in 1925 anyway the mayor sent out radio radio telegrams it said this was a big it ended up being a big national story even down here in the continental united states um i was gonna say it probably didn't start in alaska necessarily right i mean 
diphtheria in general? Well, this no. particular outbreak. I mean, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how they got it. It's such a remote place. I don't know. Somebody must have traveled. I mean, you must, yeah, you must catch it from someone, and so yeah. Anyway, but I'm just thinking like it probably didn't start in Nome and then travel south. I mean, probably was in more populated areas and then came to Nome. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Listeners, you, you come here for look facts. At the science. You come here for cold, hard facts. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he, the mayor got on the horn, whatever, sent a message out to the rest <laughs> of the world saying, we've got the beginning of an epidemic we have to get um we have to get the antitoxin and people die kids it's almost all always kids but they die really fast from diphtheria diphtheria it does it like it's like a film that coats your nose and mouth like the inside of your throat and your nasal passages until you can't Mm -hmm. and it just thickens and thickens until you can't breathe so that's pretty rough. That is horrible. You don't want that so much. Yeah, so awful. it is awful. So, uh, and it kills pretty quickly. So they were in like a race to to get some antitoxin there supplies. Mm-hmm. So, so they knew where to find some that was local well, in Canada. It was kind of magical anchorage there was a hospital in anchorage that got the message and they went to like look in their storerooms and they were like oh we didn't even know we had all this and they had like a ton so they were able to send um a big i think it was like enough for enough for about 30 people they were able to send um and the medication came in these glass vials uh, and it was a liquid type medication. And is this foreshadowing? What? I don't do foreshadowing. I was just wondering Caitlin. if this is. Okay. I was just like, we're talking about dog sledding and then glass vials. Dog uh-huh. sledding and glass vials. Oh, she doesn't think mm-hmm. this is going to end very well. Um, also, they're it's like really packed cold. In, and- you know, straw and stuff. They'll be fine, Caitlin. Okay, they'll be fine. I trust Jama. Jama does not know this Evil story. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the plan. Okay, the the plan that they came up with um, after arguing about whether or not to do planes or whatever else, they decided dog sleds are what we're good at. That's what we have, and they decided to do a relay. So they would send send the antitoxin from Anchorage. Well, actually, I think it initially went on a train to as far as the train would go. And then once the train was at the end of the tracks, then you had a team, a musher and a team of dogs ready to go to take it. And then there would they would stop every so often out in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. There'd be these roadhouses um, pretty much for the purpose of this kind of thing. Like you could eat there you could sleep there you could rest your dogs there etc um but it wasn't like they're always in a town or anything like that they're just kind of like along the main mushing route or something 
probably making that up. Um, so that's what they decide to do. They're going to send someone from Nome to head towards Anchorage and someone from Anchorage to head towards Nome so they can meet in the middle and pass off. And, the, and actually, it took, they actually had 20 different mushers assigned to do approximately like 30 mile sets um steps but um several of them did much longer than that um the longest one did a whole 100 miles and that's where you'll hear about a dog named to- togo togo not toga togo togo uh, he was the dog that went the farthest he led his team across the hardest part of the relay of the landscape so uh they had to get the the medicine um let's see it normally takes nine days to go that distance via dog sled but they needed to get the medicine no, there within- it says it says the trip from nulato to to R- nome normally took 30 days although the record was nine. Oh wow oh wow yeah. <laughs> I'm speechless. It's it's six hundred. Right. right. Six hundred and thirty. They miles. made it, but they made a new record because they did it in six days. They wow. were able to um just go faster and harder than ever before. But listen to these temperatures, you guys. It was um at the start on January twenty seventh, uh, nineteen twenty five. When the first dog team set out, it was negative 46 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's freaking cold. Like, yeah, out of control cold. And in fact, and this is super sad because this is a disaster podcast. Um, several dogs die of frostbite and cold and overexertion during mm. this. Yeah. At least three, but I think more than that. Um, but and also a few of the mushers get like one guy lost the tip of his nose and another guy lost his fingers um there was one guy who like the sled tipped over and the antitoxin fell into the deep snow and he couldn't find it and he had to like take his gloves off and like feel around for it in the snow Uh, and so his he didn't get to keep his fingers after that but he he saved the medicine and he got going again because wow uh actually not a single vial ended up being broken which is unbelievable wow but they also had a time frame it they don't they i was just reading they have a time frame where they have to they have to get it there within an amount of time to use it the medicine will go bad if they don't get it there only lasts for six days under brutal conditions on the trail oh that they estimated that it would only last for six days Exactly. Interesting. And you, every time they would get to a roadhouse, they'd have to take the medicine inside and defrost it because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't supposed to be. I mean, I always think keep something frozen, that's going to keep it good. But right. there's something about the cold would kill off whatever was good about this medicine. They had to keep right. it relatively okay. not frozen. Plus, it's a liquid, so it expands when frozen, I think. So it could have broken the glass vials if it froze. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense, you guys? Yep. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I'm not making up that science, am I? Did you were you gonna share these 
these um, stats about how many confirmed cases and how no. many had been lost in Spanish flu? Did you no. read that? No, so, I want you to share. But wait, can I? Yeah. Will you hold on to that? Yes. And then we'll, we'll let you go next. I wanted to say the longest stretch, and this is an important part of the story, the longest stretch was completed by a Norwegian-born uh, musher who was basically considered to be the, the best musher in the world. And his name was Leonard uh, Sapolo. Yeah. And and then his lead dog was Toga. So they Togo. went... Togo, thank you. Sapala and Togo. <laughs> All right, I got their names backwards. <laughs> the last letter of their names, but yeah. In any case, they did the longest stretch and uh, went almost 100 miles. And they went across, there's a, the, the route that they were on, the straightest way to go, you'd have to cross a bay. Like a, so your option was to like go around the bay or to go over it it was frozen but Mm -hmm. as they were running across it this is why it would make such a good movie as they're running across it it's breaking up like right behind them it's like it's i mean they get to the far shore like i've seen that in a movie right like right as the entire bay collapses like they they just barely make it across there so jillian yeah I feel like I do need to say something because I have seen the preview for this Harrison Ford movie and it has a hundred percent a scene in it where he falls into this broken ice, you know, bay situation and the dog comes and saves him. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of listeners who are mad at us for not knowing (laughs) or, or for not giving spoilers, just not being in the world enough to preview too, Caitlin. And it looks really good, but I don't, I don't think it's this story. They did. Okay. There was a movie that came out last October and it was called, I think it was called The Great Alaskan Race. And that okay. was a pretty close version of the story, but I don't know that it had any much famous in it. Okay. Anyway. Either way, it, you're right, though. It is super like that moment in the, I mean, th- these two characters are phenomenal uh, to, to have accomplished so much. And for him to be the best in the world and happen to be in Alaska. It's amazing. Yes. And he he lived in, oh my gosh, he lived in Nome. So he was one of the ones that was coming from the town where the sickness was. And he was going to mm-hmm. meet up with the guys who were coming up from the hospital with the medicine. And his daughter had it. His daughter was sick. So oh while, he's, while he's running in the middle of nowhere trying to go as fast as possible, his little daughter, he knows she's sick herself. She survives um let's see in the end um the last stretch i didn't write down the name of the guy because he's kind of i don't know but the name of the dog is balto and balto is known to be is it balta jama i haven't come across it yet i just think it's no it's balto funny that you get the dog's name and not the human's name but it's the he's the Not one surprising. driving the thing. Yeah, the humans just riding on the sled. <laughs> In fact, they they did say they were interviewed later. His name is they Gunner Casson. Yes, that's his right. Dog Gunner. was Balto. Yes, Gunner and Balto. I mean, yeah. there was a bunch of other dogs too, but um, they were in the middle of a storm, so 
they tried to like wait it out and it just kept getting worse and they're like well we can't stop so they ended up he said he couldn't even see the dog that was the closest to his sled (gasps) wow so he was just trusting the dogs to go where they were supposed to go okay because they were running like full bore I know Jema is not a dog person and that is 100% okay. But can I just say from a dog person perspective, like that is the most inspirational story ever. That is so awesome. <laughs> and here's the thing. He gets to let's see, is this the right person? Uh no, this is the um which guy is it that does this? Cuz I had this really cute story. He gets off the he finally like gets to his end of the he was supposed to end at Solomon, but he keeps but going. He was, he w- the storm was so bad. He was yeah. two miles yeah, yeah, past yeah. before he realized that he'd missed his stop. So he so just, he just kept, kept going. going, which is actually fine because the guy he was supposed to trade off with was sleeping anyway. Um, <laughs> but witnesses said as he pulled in to as he finally got to Nome, he gets off his sled and he goes right to the front and he he like right to balto's face and he's like you're a damn fine dog and then he collapsed with exhaustion the winds were so severe that his sled flipped over and he almost lost the cylinder containing the serum when it fell off and became buried in the snow that's when he suffered frostbite when he had to use his bare hands to feel for the cylinder wow so he's the same guy who lost his hands or sorry his fingers i don't think he lost them but they were damaged badly um okay so he completed i just there in the aftermath before we get into what happened with the actual contagion (laughs) who cares about that i care about the dogs man i know right i know but but once this was all completed uh that gunner guy and balto the the last the dog who did the last bit and his musher became massively famous and there's a statue of balto in uh new york city's central park which Mm -hmm. i've totally seen and i just didn't know what i was i didn't know the significance of what i was seeing but um he got famous and he got to tour the like the country everyone wanted to meet him the dog i mean everyone wanted to meet him uh it really wasn't fair because he had he did the last part of the race but he or not the race, but the run. The relay. Um, but he didn't, yeah. But he didn't do the longest stretch. That would have been Togo and Leonard, what's his name? So they actually did the the more, like, in retrospect, like, that's the real story should have been about those two. Mm-hmm. But they didn't get as famous until later. <laughs> okay. Uh... The medication got there in time, amazingly. And they had about enough to treat 30 people, and it had spread by this point to about 28 people. So they just narrowly were able to catch it in time. And they treated everyone. Everyone, like the entire town, was in quarantine for three weeks, which I'm sure you all understand. In a way you didn't understand. <laughs> we're we're probably going to wish ago. our quarantine is only three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were able to lift the quarantine after after three weeks. So that was pretty amazing. 
it's a very yeah. it was a wonderful story it was all over the news for the whole country so it Grandma, sounds like the, you the death to- toll ended up being it was officially listed as either five six or seven. Oh yes i did read that and i think that's because some of the native tribes mm, didn't that were outside of the city yeah so it wasn't quite clear if they were reported correctly or not so we don't fully know well i was going to um mention um so before the serum arrived um when they you know when he when the doctor realized what what was going on and you know that it was going to spread so they did institute a quarantine but despite the quarantine there were over 20 confirmed cases of diphtheria and at least 50 more at risk by the end of january Um, this had started kind of mid-january so um without the antitoxin it was expected that in the surrounding region's population of 10,000 people the mortality rate would be close to 100%. Whoa. A previous influenza epidemic, which we've been hearing a lot about, the so-called Spanish flu, um, had hit the area in 1918 and 1919. That had wiped out 50% of the native population of Nome and 8% of the native population of Alaska. Wow. Um, More more than a thousand people died in Northwest Alaska and double that across the state. Uh, the majority of Alaska natives were not resistant to either disease, but that's amazing. They, they expected everyone who got, um, who got diphtheria would have died if they hadn't had, they, they got more from, there was some coming through Seattle. Yes. Um, but the the yeah that 30 the 30 files were just the first just yeah and it yeah. obviously would have slowed it down considerably so that when the rest of the vials got there which would have taken much longer from um all the way from seattle but that kind of took care of the rest so yes wow well it's it's uh lower that that's what inspired the iditarod race was this amazing thing but actually they they may have started around the same time but the the idea rod was just a way to like popularize mushing dog sledding they were mm-hmm. just trying to popularize popularize the sport well the other thing is that um snowmobiles had kind of taken over and so um there the the type of dogs were almost going extinct who would choose a snowmobile after over <laughs> cute fluffy husky. wait in 1925 there are already snowmobiles um no this is why they brought well, there the, were no, no no they didn't start the iditarod until much much later okay um so sorry i probably so what happened that was confusingly um so the dog sled was the primary means of transportation and communication in the subarctic communities around the world um and Let's see. The race became both the last great hurrah and the most famous event in the history of mushing before the first aircrafts in the late 1920s. And then the snowmobiles in the 1960s drove the dog sled almost into extinction. So it was like in the 1960s when it was almost going into extinction. I actually feel like I read that the that the dogs themselves were 
like they're just um actually another book that i was reading this weekend was uh, it had nothing to do with this but um the author is traveling in um in the subarctic and um and Ooh. and yeah the the dogs almost went extinct um because they'd been basically replaced by snowmobiles mm-hmm. so the the world famous iditarod race was not conceived to commemorate the serum race but um the co-founders hoped that it would bring dog sledding back to the villages mm-hmm. so you anyway. reading directly from wikipedia i was a little okay. bit quoting quoting oh okay quoting. Oh, okay um there's a book that i really want to read and it's called the cruelest miles the cruelest miles that's hard to say uh i i didn't write down the author's name and i haven't read the book so i'm not recommending it it's just it's a book about this and um it was mentioned in a couple of the sources i did look at um which i primarily got the info other in addition to um just reading wikipedia there were two documentaries that i watched one from a group called history pod and one from a group called futility closet. So you can find those easily on YouTube. The cruelest miles is by gay and Lanny Salisbury. Yeah. Or yeah. Yes. The Salisbury's. You you want to buy it for me for my birthday? 2003. (laughs) Hopefully your birthday president's on its way. If it hasn't arrived already. It has not arrived. Shoot. She'll have to look that up. But Jillian, um, the two documentaries that you watched, like, do you have their titles? Uh, No. Sorry. But I'm pretty sure one was called The Serum Run to Gnome and the other was called The Great Race of Mercy. So yes, I have the titles. (laughs) Okay. It's like, it's good to know who made it, but I was also like, the title's good too, right? So. <laughs> and the Great Race of Mercy. Yeah. History Pod and Futility Closet, both of okay. which are both YouTube channels and podcasts in their own right. So, okay. That was excellent. And then, Caitlin, mm-hmm. I sent you something to post online. It's a tribute to Balto and togo uh and we should post that on the facebook page okay because everyone will be happy to see the puppy dogs i love puppy dogs i'll be happy to do that me too all right well thank you so much for the story that was amazing and uh interesting timing as ever that you had some inspiration that had really nothing to do with the current quarantine but hey maybe we can take a lesson from history (laughs) I mean, it makes me really happy that we don't have a hundred percent death rate yeah. with what's going on now. Like we're not even close to that. So, yeah. And it also makes me really it's, happy to see. Puts it in perspective. It makes me happy to see that an example of quarantining truly did pay off for this community. That they yes. were in in the clear after they had hunkered down and stayed indoors. So that's good to hear too. Absolutely. And I hope our, all of our listeners are staying safe and healthy. We will do another podcast next week. All right. Sounds and good, guys. We'll go from there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few ways to keep in touch. 
First of all, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and rate it and tell your friends so that other people can discover our content. But if you want to give more feedback or send us topics, suggestions, here's how you can keep in touch. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at calamitypodcast at yahoo.com. You can visit our website at calamitypodcast.com. And you can support this awesome project on Patreon. We hope to hear from you soon.